0: Section 109 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 140. London, May 2nd, Old Style, 1751. Dear Friend, Two accounts, which I have very lately received of you from two good judges, have put me into great spirits, as they have given me reasonable hopes that you will soon acquire all that I believe you want. I mean the air, the address, the graces, and the manners of a man of fashion." As these two pictures of you are very unlike that which I received, and sent you some months ago, I will name the two painters. The first is an old friend and acquaintance of mine, Monsieur d'aillon His picture is, I hope, like you, for it is a very good one. Monsieur Tallot's is still a better, and so advantageous a one, that I will not send you a copy of it, for fear of making you too vain. So far only I will tell you, that there was but one but in either of their accounts and it was this i gave dion the question ordinary and extraordinary upon the important article of manners and extorted this from him but since you will know it he still wants that last beautiful varnish which raises the colours and gives brilliancy to the piece be persuaded that he will acquire it he has too much sense not to know its value and if i am not greatly mistaken more persons than one are now endeavouring to give it him. Mr. Talot says, In order to be exactly all that you wish him, he only wants those little nothings, those graces in detail, and that amiable ease, which can only be acquired by usage of the great world. I am assured that he is, in that respect, in good hands. I do not know whether that does not rather imply in fine arms.' without entering into a nice discussion of the last question i congratulate you and myself upon your being so near that point at which i so anxiously wish you to arrive i am sure that all your attention and endeavours will be exerted and if exerted they will succeed mr tollo says that you are inclined to be fat but i hope you will decline it as much as you can by not taking anything corrosive to make you lean but by taking as little as you can of those things that would make you fat. Drink no chocolate, take your coffee without cream. You cannot possibly avoid suppers at Paris unless you avoid Company too, which I would by no means have you do, but eat as little at supper as you can, and make even an allowance for that little at your dinners. Take occasionally a double dose of riding and fencing, and now that summer has come, walk a good deal in the Tuileries it is a real inconvenience to anybody to be fat, and besides it is ungraceful for a young fellow. Apropos, I had like to have forgot to tell you that I charge Tullo to attend particularly to your utterance and diction. Two points of the utmost importance. To the first, he says, his enunciation is not bad, but it is to be wished that it were still better, and he expresses himself with more fire than elegance usage of good company will instruct him likewise in that these i allow are all little things separately but aggregately they make a most important and great article in the account of a gentleman in the house of commons you can never make a figure without elegance of style and gracefulness of utterance and you can never succeed as a courtier at your own court or as a minister at any other without those innumerable petit rien dans les maniers et dans les attentions mr yorke is by this time at paris make your court to him but not so as to disgust in the least lord abemarle who may possibly dislike your considering mr yorke as the man of business and him only as pour honner la seine whatever your opinion may be upon that point take care not to let it appear but be well with them both by showing no public preference to either though i must necessarily fall into repetitions by treating the same subject so often I cannot help recommending to you again the utmost attention to your air and address. Apply yourself now to Marcel's lectures, as diligently as you formerly did to Professor Mascow's. Desire him to teach you every genteel attitude that the human body can be put into. Let him make you go in and out of his room frequently, and present yourself to him, as if he were by turns different persons, such as a minister, a lady, a superior, an equal, an inferior, etc., Learn to seat genteelly in different companies, to loll genteelly and with good manners, in those companies where you are authorized to be free, and even sit up respectfully where the same freedom is not allowable. Learn even to compose your countenance occasionally to the respectful, the cheerful, and the insinuating. Take particular care that the motions of your hands and arms be easy and graceful, for the genteelness of a man consists more in them than in anything else, especially in his dancing. Desire some women to tell you of any little awkwardnesses that they observe in your carriage. They are the best judges of those things, and if they are satisfied, the men will be so too. Think now only of the decorations. Are you acquainted with Madame Geoffrin, who has a great deal of wit, and who, I am informed, received only the best company in her house? Do you know Madame Dupin, who, I remember, had beauty, and I hear has wit and reading?' i could wish you to converse only with those who either from their rank their merit or their beauty require constant attention for a young man can never improve in company where he thinks he may neglect himself a new bow must be constantly kept bent when it grows older and has taken the right turn it may now and then be relaxed i have this moment paid your draft of eighty-nine pounds seventy-five shillings it was signed in a very good hand which proves that a good hand may be written without the assistance of magic nothing provokes me much more than to hear people indolently say that they cannot do what is in everybody's power to do if it be but in their will adieu end of section 109 read by professor heather and by for more free audiobooks or to volunteer please visit librivox.org